Father, we thank you today that you have been good. God, not only have you been good, you are good. And your mercy endures forever. God, at the core of your being is love. And everything that we know to be good in this world comes from you. And so we say thank you today, Lord. God, you've been faithful to us. You've loved us when we didn't feel lovable. You've kept us, God, even when we didn't do our part. Even when we've been faithless, you, your word says, have been faithful. So we sing together, you've been good. God, thank you for this experience of worship. Thank you for being with us by your spirit. Thank you for giving us this space and time to come and lift up your holy name. God, I pray for the brother or sister who came into this room today or who tuned into this broadcast today and they feel like they are on their last leg. God, they're lost. They're confused. They've almost given up hope. Some of them may have already given up hope. God, I pray that today you would be their strength. God, I ask that in this moment of worship that you would strengthen your people. Lift us higher than we thought possible. Give us a vision for things that we've never seen before or thought possible before. God, open the doors that the enemy had tried to shut on us. God, we need you today. And we only ask these things because we know that you are good and faithful. Father, thank you for every song that's been sung today. Thank you for every prayer that's been lifted up. Thank you for the, the information that's been spoken into our hearing for our growth and well-being. And now, God, we come to this preaching moment, and I ask you for preaching power. I ask God that you would allow this one message to speak to every heart and mind in this room, regardless of age, regardless of race, regardless of gender, regardless of experience. I pray that every person in this room would have a divine encounter with you today. God, I pray for the folks who are watching at home and at other places that they might sense your presence in real and tangible ways today. Father, we love you. We love you. We know that you first loved us. So be with us now and in Jesus' name. And all God's people said together, amen. Amen. Sanctuary family, can you put your hands together? Help me thank God for our worship team and our band. How about these incredible dancers that we had this morning, our praise dance team? I, I caught a cramp just looking at them do their thing. Whew. They, they did an incredible job. It was intergenerational. Shout out to Molly for being the young one representing Mosaic, our youth ministry up there. 
I am certainly am grateful for all the ways in which we get to uh, represent and celebrate God today. It, it is the last Sunday of Black History Month, and for the last couple of years, we've celebrated, uh, used this Sunday to celebrate what we call Heritage Sunday. And so today is an opportunity for us to honor, to celebrate, to pay our respects to the black church. And if you know Sanctuary Story, and many of you are newer here and still learning Sanctuary Story, we grow out of, grew out of the black church, that we are at our core a black-led, black-centered, multi-ethnic church. And, and we could not be the sanctuary that we are if not for the deep, deep foundational roots that were laid by our spiritual ancestors, our, our mothers and our fathers and our grandmothers and aunties who prayed and labored at the altar on our behalf. We are here because of their prayers. And many of the things we are experiencing in our lives today, this isn't even a sermon, y'all. Many, many of the things we're experiencing in our lives today are the answered prayers of our ancestors who've gone before us. And so we thank God today for this opportunity to celebrate Heritage Sunday and, and, and tease out a few of the expressions of the traditional black church. Uh, today, when I think about this service, I, I was thinking I, I want us to have the sound, the feel, even the taste and smell of black church. And so I want to invite all of you across the street to Cub Foods after service <laughs> to get you an eight piece or a 12 piece so that you might fully have the experience. And I know some of you are saying there's a cub out in Plymouth. There's a cub in Eden Prairie. I'll just stop by that one because it's closer to, no, it's not the same. It's not the same. I don't know, it's something different about that cub across the street. Something, something in the seasonings, they, they don't follow the recipe the way corporate says to follow it. And so I wanna invite you across the street after church to get it there, it'll still be hot when you get home. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Long before I was serving here at Sanctuary, I, I grew up in a small Baptist church in the low country of South Carolina called the Second Providence Baptist Church. And every Sunday, if the sun came up, I was at church. I'd never got a vote. There was never a conversation. The sun came up, me and my family were at church. And over time, I realized that if I'm going to be here all the time, I might as well learn to enjoy this thing. And so I became a student of the church. I began to study the folks who led our church and the, the way that they did things. Our deacons, some of our deacons, the older ones, they, they would pray almost the exact same prayer every Sunday. And me and my cousins memorized those prayers. We knew them word for word, the intonations and everything. And we would be messing around in church as the deacons would be praying. And my grandmother had a gift of whether she was singing or shouting or anything. If we were cutting up, she would pinch us without losing her rhythm at all. It was a spiritual gift. It's not in, it's not in, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, but it was one of her spiritual gifts. We, we would 
go to church. And even before the service started, there would be what was called the devotional service. Someone would get up and give a call to worship and say something like, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go. And to the, some of y'all been to the church I grew up in. There would be a testimony service, and, and, and some of the sisters in the church would, would get up and say, first, giving honor to God, who's the head of my life, woke me up this morning, started me on my way. A reasonable portion. They, they didn't even say, God has given me all my health. He said, God has given me a reasonable portion of my health and strength. And they would begin to tell stories of the ways in which God had shown up in their lives over the course of the week. Yeah. And as they would tell those testimonies, a song would break out. A song would break out all, all over the sanctuary. Somebody would just begin to sing, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. for a while. This is all pre-service. The service hasn't even started yet. We sing that for a while and then somebody else would, would, would want to shift the song and so right in the middle of singing that song, somebody would get a little louder and say, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we have the victory. Let me see if you know it. There were two sisters in our church, Miss Bernice and Miss Christine. They were my grandmother's best friends. And they would alternate Sundays of the shout, right? And so as the song was going on, one of them would take off around the church. And they would shout. And they would shout. And they would call in the name of the Lord. And I used to wonder, what is wrong with these people? But as I've gotten older, I realized that this was their holy place. This was sacred space for them. They had been oppressed throughout the week, held back throughout the week, never able to fully express themselves, but when they came into the house of the Lord, it was an opportunity for them to let their proverbial hair down and to just be who they were created to be. It was, it was sacred space. It was a holy space. 
And in our church, there, there was an expression that often was heard that, that we were being in those moments carried by the Spirit. That, that it wasn't put on or it wasn't make believe that the Spirit was carrying us through that service. But I, I wonder today if we realized back then or even now that the Spirit, yes, will make us shout. The Spirit, yes, will make us sing, but, but God's Spirit is, is active in a lot of other ways too. And in this series that we're in called People of the Book, I, I want to use today just to, to point to a few ways that God loved us and ministers, ministers to us by His Spirit and through His book. You see, there has been a lot said and a lot of attention paid to the role that the Spirit plays in charismatic worship services but, but there is an underappreciated aspect of what the Spirit does in the life of the church. And that is the way that the Spirit unites God's people to God's Word. The Spirit does that too. I love a good shout. I, I wish sometimes we could come in here and sing all day just for hours. And sometimes we will. We will. I, and I won't warn you. But God is at work even when we're not shouting. In fact, I believe one of the, the, one of the shortcomings of the church, particularly the modern church, is that we've fallen into this lie that says we can either be a spirit-filled church or we are a Bible-believing church. You, you may have heard those, those, those kind of distinctions when people ask, tell me a little bit about your church. Or you, tell, you ask people, tell me a little about your church. They'll, they'll say, oh, it is a spirit-filled church. We just go in. No order, no structure. We just go in. Or, or you ask somebody else about their church, and they, they, they'll say, and it's usually, I got to say this, it's usually with a bit of pride, we are a good Bible-believing church. That's usually what it sounds like. And we get into this back and forth that either we are spirit-filled or we're Bible-believing, right? And I have issues with both sides of that spectrum because if it's all spirit, 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 all fire, 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 eventually you're going to blow up. You're just going to explode like poof. And if it's all Bible, 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 all word, 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 you turn the Bible into a textbook so that your, your, your pride over head knowledge can go out of this world, eventually you're going to shrivel up. So rather than saying we're, we're people of the book or we're people of the spirit, I, I believe God is calling us to be people of the spirit and people of the book. In fact, if we are people of the book, we have to be people of the Spirit. There would be no book without the Spirit. And that's not just my opinion. That's the Word of God. And so I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles today, to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to read together God's Word. I want to give you an understanding of what I mean when I say that the Bible is a God-breathed book. Our message title today, I know we're halfway through already, is the spirit, the people, and the book. That if we are to truly be people of the book, it, it means that we are necessarily people of the spirit. 
2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, we'll read through verse 16. The Apostle Paul is speaking to his young mentee, Timothy, and he says, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. All the parents in the room know exactly what that's about. Ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Paul says, have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these teachers oppose the truth. They are men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far because, as, is, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, verse 12, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as you continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. The Apostle Paul writes this book, of, this letter of 2 Timothy, and it's believed to be Paul's final letter. He, he writes to his young mentee, Timothy, and it's a very personal letter because Paul is, as he's writing, he's in prison. In fact, he is on trial, and he is confident that he is going to be found guilty and be put to death. And so Paul writes this with the burden of believing that this might be my last time getting to write to you. And throughout this book of 2 Timothy, this letter of 2 Timothy, there are two key themes in the book. The first, Paul encourages the young Timothy to remember his calling and to accept his calling. Timothy is a young man. He's been given some authority to, to lead the church at Ephesus, 
And Paul may be concerned that Timothy is, is thinking of, of backing away from that calling. And so Paul says to Timothy, remember the calling you have. Don't fight the calling that you have. God has called you to this, and God will be with you as you do it faithfully. And that might be an encouragement to somebody in this room who's wrestling today with their purpose and with their calling. Maybe it's hard in this season and you're thinking, maybe, maybe it's time for me to let this thing go. Maybe, maybe you're wrestling with your relationship. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe you're struggling on your job. Maybe you're struggling in your parenting and, and you're thinking, maybe this thing is going to get the best of me. This is an encouragement to you that if God has called you to it, God has made preparations for your success. God is with you. Remember your calling. Don't fight it. Don't turn and walk away from it. Know that God is with you in it. So, so Timothy hears from Paul, remember and accept your calling. And then Paul says throughout the second half of this letter, deal with the false teachers who are among you. Paul paints a picture of false teachers who would come and, 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 and say things that would simply soothe the ears of the people. They were not concerned with the people's growth or well-being. They simply wanted to, to be able to find ways to get into the lives of people, and so they would give them false teachings. And Paul says to Timothy, as the person appointed to lead in this place, you've got to deal with the false teachers among you. And he says, it's not just up to you to do it. God has given you a resource, a tool to be able to lead these people. He's given you his word. He says to him, the first thing I want us to remember today, the fact that the Holy Spirit gives us God's word. That's my first point today, that the Holy Spirit brings us this book. That's why we can't separate the spirit from the word, because the spirit actually is the author of the word. Paul says, 2 Timothy chapter 3, all scripture is God-breathed. And he paints this picture of the breath of God, the, the breath of life, that same breath that God breathed into Adam's nostrils and, and brought him forth to light. Paul is painting a picture to Timothy to say that God breathed out of his mouth these very words that you are trying to teach God's people. He says to Timothy that God was at work by his spirit leading men to write the scriptures, that the spirit was at work in their lives. The spirit was at work in the recording of the scriptures. The spirit has even been at work in the preservation of these words on God's behalf. Here's how second Timothy, second Peter chapter two and 21 says it for prophecy never had its origins in the human will, but prophets through though human spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit. My brother, my sister, the, the reminder for us today is that as we seek to live the life that God has called us to, we can trust the Word. The Word is authoritative in our lives because this Word is not simply the Word of dead men. These are the words of God that have been brought to us by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit brings us this book. Not only does the Holy Spirit bring us the book, the Holy Spirit helps us to understand the book. That's my second point today. Two of three. We're getting, we're getting out of here real soon. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand the book. Have you ever taken a, 
a, a, a beautiful vacation somewhere, but you didn't speak the language. You're there, and it's beautiful, but you don't quite get the full experience because you don't know what's being said around you. Maybe that's just me. I'm country. <laughs> Have you ever been in a fancy restaurant? Somebody recommended it. You go check it out, and it's so fancy, you don't even know what the things on the menu are. <laughs> LeBrent, just the two of us. All right. All right. It looks, it looks like a nice place. People are, are all dressed up. Like you, you got to work hard to get a reservation, but you get there and you don't even know what the menu is saying. Some of us will pull out our phone and like try to yelp it, and, and like maybe there's a picture online that I can figure out what that word is, what that what that is. Some people, and this is not just about food. This is about spiritual life as well. Some people will simply look around at what everybody else is doing, what everybody else has, and say, hey, that looks good. Give me that. But I, I've learned a pro tip. Don't tell anybody. This is, this is between us. When you're in those situations, you lean on the waiter. I don't know what the stuff on the menu is, but they better know. I simply ask them, what's your most popular item? What would you recommend? Because there is something they know that I don't that can help my experience in that moment. The Holy Spirit, in many ways, is a waiter for us. That, that when we, we, we want to know what this book is saying and how it applies to our life, don't, don't simply pretend you know what it is. Don't just go to YouTube and, and, and just whatever they say on there, that's what it means for me. The Holy Spirit is here to help us understand what's in this book. How does he do it, Pastor Edrin? It's right here in, in the book. All scripture is God-breathed. It comes from God through the Spirit, and it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. The Spirit teaches us. It, it enlightens us to things that we previously did not know. It, it, it gives us new knowledge. It gives us new information. The, the Spirit of God teaches us when we read and meditate on this book. But the, the, the Spirit of God also rebukes us. That's a old-fashioned word. We do, you don't walk around talking about rebuking people. Like, we, we don't really talk like that anymore. <laughs> like, like, I rebuke you. Uh, you better get away from me. <laughs> but, but here's what Paul means when he talks about the Spirit rebuking us. It challenges our hypocrisy. When we say that we want one thing, but we live in a way that produces something else, the Spirit We'll hold up a mirror to our lives and say, that's not going to get it for you. When we have spoken values, but our lived values don't quite add up to it, the Holy Spirit will remind us, but you said that you want to live a godly life. <laughs> Rebukes us. And maybe it's supposed to feel old-fashioned. Because it's hard to have a mirror held up to your life and you realize that 
I'm sometimes my own worst enemy. The Holy Spirit teaches us. It gives us new information, but it also rebukes us. It, it holds up a mirror to our lives and says, what you're doing and what you're saying don't quite align. The Holy Spirit also corrects us. It corrects us. When Paul speaks about correction, here's what he means. It's, it, it, it impacts our actions, but it's deeper than this. When the Spirit corrects us, when, when God's Word corrects us, it shines a light on those unhelpful thinking patterns that we have. All of us in this room, long before you do the wrong thing, you've thought about it. And sometimes we don't even know it's wrong. It's just, it's so familiar to us. The battlefield really begins up here. And so the word of God, it helps us. It helps us to understand the Bible and it corrects us. It changes our mindset. We're not simply asking you to change your actions. It's deeper than that. We're asking you to have your minds renewed by God's word. Teaches us, rebukes us, corrects us, trains us in righteousness. That's the fourth way that the the Holy Spirit helps us understand God's word. It it is training in righteousness. And, And when Paul talks about that, what he's talking about is that the word of God shows us an entirely different path. The word of God says to us, you've been going this way, but there is an entirely different way that's possible for you. Many of us do what we do because mom and them did it. Grandma and them did it. Somebody else did it and it worked for them. It's not working for me, but it's all I know, so I'm just going to keep doing it. And the Holy Spirit works in our lives through God's word to present to us a different path. And it takes courage to go a different way. It takes courage to go down a path that you've never seen anybody in your family go down. It takes courage to say, Mom, I know that's how you did it, but I'm trying to raise these kids a different way. But the word of God helps us By presenting to us a new way, a different way, a different way of being God's people. One of the most clear things that I can say to us this morning about how the Holy Spirit works in our life and how the Spirit of God, the the Bible works in our life is that most of us live our lives only based on what we can see, hear, feel. We, We are incredibly carnally minded. If if it doesn't make sense to the five senses, it doesn't make sense. When we are in Christ Jesus, the spirit of God gives us spiritual eyes as well. To Say there's something more at work here than what I can see. That perhaps God is up to something that, that goes beyond one plus one equals two. That perhaps I need to trust God and God is inviting me to move in a way that doesn't make sense apart from the fact that God has said, this is how I should live my life. Holy Spirit teaches us, rebukes us, corrects us, and trains us in righteousness. That's how the Holy Spirit helps us to understand the book. And, and just in case you're here today and you're wondering why, why does any of this matter? Why does it matter where the Bible comes from and what it, why does it matter that the Holy Spirit helps me understand the book? Paul says 
2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 17, he says, all of this matters because God is equipping us for the work that he's called us to. That we are being made wise unto salvation. We are being equipped. We are being built up. We are being changed, even though it doesn't always feel like it. We are being changed. We are being transformed by God's spirit and through God's word so that we might live the lives God has called us to. That When we are in Christ Jesus, God calls us from death to life. God calls us from darkness to light. And when we try to live our lives apart from the word of God, we're living beneath our means. But sanctuary, we're not going to do that anymore. I, I came to encourage somebody to say, get up. Stop living down there. You deserve better. God has called you to better. You have better in you. We are called to live a life of godliness. And we cannot do that apart from God's word and apart from God's spirit. And so God uses this book and the spirit to equip us to build us up into the people he's called us to be. Spirit is our trainer. We can have a love relationship, hate relationship with our trainer, you know. He's our trainer. He is preparing us for a fight that is ahead of us. We might not even know what that fight is, but the Holy Spirit, even today, is preparing us for that fight. The Holy Spirit is our running coach. He's getting us ready to get up off the couch and get into the race. Maybe it's a 5K. Maybe it's 12 miles like Andrea does for fun. <laughs> Whatever the race is before you, the Holy Spirit is getting us ready for that. It's equipping us for that. The Holy Spirit, used through God's word, is our guide, our comforter, our friend, who says to us, out of love, there is more that I have for you to do, and I want to encourage you to grow in righteousness and live this life of faith well. Sanctuary, the call is simply this. We've got to grow up. And that's not just a command with no resources attached to it. God is calling us to grow up and God has given us his spirit and he's given us his word so that we might grow into the people he's called us to be. I started, I'm done. I started today sharing a story of those old saints in the church I grew up in, way down in the low country. Those folks, nearly all of them, have now passed and gone on. If the Christian faith continues, it will continue because those faithful saints have been able to pass the baton to us. Brothers and sisters, it's our turn. It's our turn. They did their part, and now it's our turn. And I wonder today if you see yourselves as being ready to run the race that's before you. It's easy to be a spectator Christian, it's easier to be a consumer Christian. 
I'm coming to get this word. I need a word. (laughs) Come and get it. But do something with it. Do something with it. God has called you on your jobs, in your neighborhoods, in your relationships. God has called you to live a life of faith. He's he's called me to a particular kind of thing. It is no coincidence that God brought me from the dirt roads of South Carolina to this very cold place. (laughs) The disciple to encourage and to pray for and to come alongside you all in your spiritual growth. But that's not the end of it. Having received, you are now called to go and run the race. And so this week, wherever you find yourself, I want to encourage you to live the life of faith that God is calling you to. It's your turn now. When I think about the black church that raised me and shaped me and formed me, I thank God for the spirit and the book. Because the world that we're living in now says that truth is relative. Truth is whatever I want it to be. But I thank God for the spirit and the book. The world sends messages to all of us that devalues us, makes us a commodity, says that we're less than what God says about us. But regardless of what the world says about you, I thank God for the spirit in the book. It's becoming harder by the week to raise children. Have y'all noticed that? But I thank God for the spirit in the book. In your life, this is an invitation to grow up and be who God has called you to be. And God didn't send you into the world empty-handed. He's given you his spirit, and God has given you his book. And so my expression today of gratitude is to God, thank you, Lord, for your spirit and for your book. In the midst of a shifting world, the God we serve is faithful and true and has given us his spirit and his book. I want to invite the worship team back up. That first song that we sang, it really pleased my soul. You know? And I don't know if there's any real cool tie-in to what I just said, but I just want to sing that song some more. I heard a story once of when Dr. King was active in the civil rights movement, there were times where he was, he was paralyzed by fear and doubt, and he couldn't go forward. He couldn't, we often see him standing before thousands of people giving those eloquent words, but there were times when he couldn't get out of bed because he was so depressed. And he would call up Mahalia Jackson and she would sing a song just like this one. Uh, Linnell, I'm calling you my Mahalia today. Sister Mahalia, can you sing a little more of that song for us? Can we stand together and worship together, Sanctuary family? Let's together just like this.
Thank you all for joining the Sanctuary Missionary Baptist Covenant Church today. <laughs> My prayer is that this service has been a blessing to you, Sanctuary. Let's take a moment and pray as we go into the rest of our week. Lord God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your faithfulness, God. Thank you for this opportunity today to worship you in spirit and in truth. God, we thank you for the series, People of the Book. And we thank you for your spirit which brings us the book, which helps us to understand the book, which uses the book to equip us for the lives you've called us to. God, I pray for every brother and sister in this room, every person watching online, that they would know that you are with them and for them. God, give us everything that we need. Activate everything within us that you've already given us so that we might be the people you're calling us to be this week. God, bless our families. Bless our homes. Go with us. God, we pray that you would shut the mouth of the enemy who would speak lies over us, God. Remind us who we are in you, Jesus. And God, as we grow in faith and understanding, may we be a blessing to others around us who desperately need to know you. God, we pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. And we say together now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us as faultless before his glorious presence with exceeding joy. To the all-wise God, our Savior, be all glory, honor, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forevermore. Sanctuary family, would you join me by saying amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.